ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. gentlemen it is friday and welcome to another edition of hard in the paint with david grubb it's been a fantastic week and one of the things that i've always done on this show is bring in guests who i find interesting who may not be in the traditional um, realm of sports but have voices and you know to me intrigue me and i want to have deeper conversations and one of those people to that i came across and, and who is joining me today is miss kelsey wilkerson and she is a former PR, uh, well, still doing PR, but making the transition from traditional PR to sports and entertainment, this is a strange time to make that transition. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of her fandom. We're going to talk about the sports that she follows. And, you know, we'll have a good time. So let's jump into it. Kelsey, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, David. Like, I'm excited. Um, it's actually my first, like, podcast. I'm excited to, like, chat and just, like, talk about some fun things. But, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm happy it's Friday. So, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's been an up and down week, you know, and I think for all of us, you know, um, as, as Americans, particularly African Americans, it's been an up and down week. So, I will tell you, you know, just a few days ago, yeah, emotionally, I was probably – um, about as low as it gets, you know, after the Breonna Taylor decision and some of the other things that we've been watching, but that's been this whole year for us. But here at the end of the week, I'm, I'm a lot more energized because um, folks have reached out and folks are trying to, and I think that's been a really cool thing that we've all seen yeah. is this support this summer um, of each other, but, and in particularly in this field of us kind of rallying around each other and, and trying to get us into these spots that historically we've been left out of for you as you watch this and you make this transition, particularly as a black woman in this business, because as a black man, I got one set of challenges, but as a black woman, you have another. What made you make the decision to go into sports? And what, you know, do you think the challenges, the new challenges that you're going to face making this transition? Yeah, you know, I think this is a great question. And I think just like thinking about like everything that's happened over the last week, like, it's just, like, I feel like I'm at a point where, like, at least this point, like, I was almost, like, out of tears. So, like, after the 2016 election, like, I was in living in D.C. I was working in politics. And, like, after that, I remember I cried, like, the whole, like, the rest of the week into the next week. Because a lot of people, we, we foresaw the things that were going to be happening the next four years. And, like, especially, like, having that political mind, that critical thinking. Like, we knew, we were seeing things that were like, hey, this is going to happen, mm -hmm. you know. So, like, up until this point, I was just like, wow. Like, you know, I it's like I can't believe this is still, like, these type of things are still happening. But, like, I'm not shocked. Um, and as far as, like, the transition into sports, like, I just always, like, I've loved sports. Like, you know watching like football with my grandma was like a huge deal for me like I was an athletic trainer in high school and like you know I'm still in the corporate space of communications but I just feel like communications is one of those like skills that's necessary in every like you know field so like everything like whether you're doing like 
engineering, technology, like entertainment, sports, I feel like communication just always has to be there because like you have to be able to get your message across as an organization. And I just feel like being, you know, a black woman trying to transition into sports, I feel like, honestly, I feel like it's a great time, right? Because they like, they want our voices in these rooms. Like they want like the voices at the NBA to be saying, hey, you know, what should we be saying on this? Or like, even better yet, the strategic council piece, right? Like, how should we be thinking about this? Not even necessarily material, but how do we even approach like the conversation? Who should we be following on Twitter? Who's like thought leaders on this? What type of like, you know, information should we be putting out as thought leaders as the NBA to say on this? And like, also like, I know there's like, there's always a conflict, especially like when in crisis com- like comms with, you know, legal and comms. Like the, yes. those two like butt heads, because legal is always like, no, I'm going to- Don't say anything. Like, <laughs> not, it has to be stripped all the way. Well, legal and the board. Legal and the board are like, no, you cannot say this. You cannot say this. And comms is like, no, you have to say this. And it's crazy because by the time, and a lot of the statements that we're seeing from like the NBA- and the NFL is different, but like, I'll just say the NBA, but like a lot of the statements that we're seeing from like these sports leagues and things, they've been like kind of watered down. Like the comms person probably would have said much more, but they've been watered down so much to just appease certain groups. And the NFL statements, like, I like those statements were just like, I don't even know why y'all are putting out a statement. Like for what Roger? Like, I, I, I don't get it. So and it's yeah. clear, yeah, it's clear who does and does not have at least some people in the room. Yeah. And, and, and worse than that, the thing is, it's not just good enough to have us in the room. You have to listen. And on these issues, I still feel as if the leagues have not necessarily allowed African-Americans to lead the discussion. We are allowed to input the discussion, even at the NBA level, which has done a good job for the most part. But it's still driven by others. We yeah. get to participate. But things like the NBA choosing what slogans are okay and permissible. And the way that the, the announcers are able to deal with things. Um, and sometimes even who's on the call of the game. Particularly, we saw it in the NFL. You have no mention during these pregame and NFL broadcasts, really, of anything that's going on in the outside world. You see what they've done in when they talked about the end zones and saying in racism and it's microscopic. You don't even notice it. If it were, if it were cancer awareness, if it were veterans, if there were anything, they'd be wearing their camouflage on the sideline or their pinks and all these things. But for this, put it in the back of the end zone behind the goalpost and just there we've done our job. And I think that that cursory approach to it of just saying, well, now you're in the room, you're here and not actually giving us the lead because I would not ever choose to take the lead in a women's rights struggle. That's not for me. I'm supposed to listen and support. And it's too often to me still, like when the NBA owner said, what else can we do? That to me, and they didn't say it in the matter of, please tell us. It was like, well, what else can we do? We've given you money. We gave you this platform. So what else, what else do y'all want? Like, yeah. what else? like, it's like, dang, here you go. Yeah. Like it's that kind of approach. And honestly, like, and I hate to be that person, but like a lot of it's just gotten very performative to me. Um, Don't hate. 
don't hate to be that person because you got to be. It, it, it was just like, and I just saw this the other day, you know, with um, Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, passing. You know, I saw the Lakers wearing the collars and kneeling. It's like, my thing is like, what is, like, I was like, what is this supposed to prove? Like, what, like, what are you trying to prove here? Because at the end of the day, y'all are kneeling, but like, okay, what else are y'all, what else are we doing, right? Because at the end of the day, like the Supreme, uh, Supreme Court seat, it's like, it, it's actually really important for like a lot of reasons, but y'all are kneeling. But like, a lot of people don't even know, like, all the Supreme Court justices' names. And, like, I can, I, I'm not going to lie and sit here. I can say I can say all of them, but I know, like, a good amount of them. So, like, y'all kneeling of saying, like, to this demographic, a lot of people don't even know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg was and why, why she's important. So, like, to me, it's, like, performative. And even, like, them painting, like, Black Lives Matter, like, this wasn't the sports, but, like, painting Black Lives Matter on the street. I was like, dog, what is this supposed to prove? Because... At the end of the day, like, y'all are still not really doing anything, and y'all are sitting up here, you know, playing in certain, like, uh, pol politicians' faces and just, like, trying to appease them. So, like, what like what exactly are y'all trying to prove here? Like, what are we actually accomplishing? So, I just, I think, you know, a lot of people have made this point, but at the end of the day, it is economic, right? Like, I think when you start hitting people's pockets and when you start making like that type of like impact, mm -hmm. I think that's where like the true change is going to come. But like even going like further, right? Like it's hard to make that economic impact when you're dependent upon your check. Right. Like a lot of these dudes, like they can't, they, they created a lifestyle to where they can't, they, it's like their job. It's like, we have jobs. Like we, you can't necessarily say, okay, I'm not going to play because X, Y, Z, like Colin Kaepernick, like he died on that hill essentially, but like, you know, and he's having to like, I guess like pay for it in a way, but it's just like other people are kind of like, uh, we need this check. And like the owners know that like, yeah, they're going to play. And that's, that so. to me is a big problem because I think we're forgetting how important endurance is in this. And remember, yeah. the, the Montgomery bus boycott lasted for longer than a year. And the NBA player bus boycott lasted less than 24 hours. And I'm, I'm not going to put the whole onus on them. It's an impossible position to be in as an athlete, to, to have the burden of being the public face of a movement. Um, and I understand that. But at the same time, there are things that trouble me and it's not, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who says, you know, you don't want to listen to athletes because I think we should. They're people. It's yeah. not that they're, I don't want to define anybody by their job. But this is what bothers me. Something that bothered me about LeBron James the other night. Now, his statements on Breonna Taylor were, were great. But every time he brings up Malcolm X, I can tell he has not finished that book. No, he's always and, carrying the book around. Like, and yet, and it's not that. Yes, it doesn't take i read the book you've read the book it doesn't take that long to read it and get it and he still speaks about it in generalities like you cannot talk about that book in generalities and that's where he is and that lack of understanding bothers me because if you're going to use the voices of other people you had better be sure of what they're saying representing yourself is one thing but when you take on the statements of others and you want to project why that they were important, I think you better know exactly what you're saying. And that, that, yeah, it, it's stop, stop with LeBron's book list. Let's just stop. He did this. Remember with Miami, he did this a few years ago. What are you reading LeBron? I'm not worried about what LeBron is reading. 
I'm worried about his actions. Yeah. And he's done some very good things. But he can also, uh, you know, and I, I think I am worried about the times, too, where as the most prominent player in the league, the most powerful player in the league, he has also used his power to silence things at times. True. And so I have a push and pull with him because he didn't stand up for Kyrie Irving. And I don't know what their relationship is like, but he didn't stand up and say, at the very least, this man is making up, talking about concerns that we have to consider. He didn't stand by his own uniform team, former team. And I like LeBron. And I I thought about that, right, a lot. And, like, when all those discussions were happening, it was like people were ragging on Kyrie bad. But, like, Kyrie was making statements. And it's just, like, one of those things where it's like – we like people weren't listening to Kyrie but then like later on they were like oh this is exactly what he was talking about but at the end of the day like LeBron is self-motivated and this is kind of what I'm talking about with these players and like not giving up that economic piece LeBron is very you know self-motivated in that he's chasing like greatness like he at the end of the day I think I really think that that notion of people saying that he's not better than Michael Jordan and that Michael Jordan was a better player than them, I think that, like, bothers him. So (laughs) I think that really bothers him, and I think he's trying to chase that. But, like, at this point in his career, it's like you're not – like, statistically, you're not going to get as many championships as Michael Jordan did. Um, I guess you can look at – and I I honestly hated that, right? I hate it. I hate that we, like, compare – Michael Jordan and LeBron to like Kobe like I hate it I was like why can't they just all be great um in their own regard but I truly think LeBron is trying to be called the greatest ever but at the end of the day I I, just the sheer impact that Michael Jordan had on literally like the sport of basketball like I mean of course LeBron's had a big impact too but like literally like Jordan like the Jordan brand like I I don't know it's just like yeah I don't Culturally, so, I don't know. That's yeah. my thing with LeBron. He's really just trying to get out there, stat um, stat pad or whatever, try to win, like, at least two, maybe two to three more championships. He ain't got that kind of time. That's, uh, to me, that's – He ain't got that kind of time. That's pushing it to me. I was thinking at least two more if they could go on a two-peat. But the thing is, these young guys, they're not playing. And that Lakers team, this, in my estimation – of all the Lakers teams, and I went back and reviewed this last night, um, since they moved to L.A., this would be the worst Lakers team as far as composition in their history to win a championship if they do so. I can see that. Because, like, I can see that. Because, like, they're they're you can tell, like, the games that I've watched this season or since the restart, like, I can just tell, like, they, they're just I – mean, everybody's, like, fatigued, right? Like, everybody's tired. But, like, I just feel like just that heart of that championship, that dog – the team that I honestly see right now in the bubble that has that is Miami. Yes. And that, like, they have that dog in them, like, no. And even Denver has a little bit of it, but it's just, like, I don't know what's going on with that. I feel Denver's like younger. Yeah. They're they, younger. There's some development that needs to happen there. There's some growth. But Miami is really that team that, like, honestly, if I was a Lakers fan, I would be scared to go up against Miami because those not, guys are dogs. They would not be intimidated by the moment. Um, and they would be physical with the Lakers, which is something Lakers don't like, particularly Anthony Davis. And, and again, people think I harp on Anthony Davis like I got a personal beef. But I've been talking about that dude for five years about the separation between 
his athletic greatness and his talent and the mental thing that it takes to be truly one of the two or three best players in the league. And he still hasn't jumped over that bar, in my opinion. But inconsistencies there. Like, I think he has, like, the physical attributes, but it's just, like, something – like, a gap that just hasn't – a gap that just hasn't, like, happened. And and I think, honestly, and that's what, like, I guess a note that I took down, like, in thinking about Lonzo Ball and, like, where he stood with the Pelicans, like – I just feel like Alonzo does have a chance to, like, grow. I just think about when you think about LeBron and, like, LeBron, Michael, and Kobe, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, like, LeBron is similar. Like, I just think LeBron, like, being – Alonzo being on a team with LeBron didn't help him. I think LeBron, like I said, has been self-motivated. I think had uh, Alonzo been with, like, a Kobe, like a Michael or something, I feel like – and I don't, and maybe not even Michael, but more so Kobe. I just feel like people that were around Kobe wanted to be great because, like, Kobe, like, I don't know, he just inspired greatness and he, like, really wanted to mentor young guys. And I feel like LeBron is like, no, like, I need you to come in here and I need you to, like, be ready to go. Like, I don't have time to mentor you because I'm trying to do this. Yeah, that is why I think a lot of people have said, and I think this is why Kevin Durant in my mind was dead on when he said, why, w- why would most guys want to play with LeBron? You know, yeah. because it just it you are essentially working on his legacy. Yeah. And as a player, if I'm trying to be great, that's not why I didn't come into the NBA to create your legacy. I came to do the best for me and to excel as the player that I can be. But everything has to fit around LeBron. I think that's the one thing to me that does keep him in my mind, behind Jordan, behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I think is the greatest player of all time, but that's my opinion. But I think it, you, it's you're, you're, the hardest thing for me is to go across errors, but I still say, to me, it's Kareem Jordan second. But, uh, but for LeBron, I think no one has been more dependent on having to have it his way. Yeah. He has and, to have, like, the coach. Like, I think – in Miami, I think it was – That was the best LeBron. And I think it was important, too, that Pat Riley told him, like, because they wanted to fire Coach Spo and, like, or LeBron's people wanted to fire Spo and bring one of LeBron's guys in. And Pat Riley was like, no. Like, yeah. I'm not doing it. You're going to, like – this is my guy. You're going to play, like, with Spo. And, like, I think that, like, LeBron, even just going back – and I don't – like, I actually – like, I like I like LeBron. Like, I'm not beefing – I used to be beefing with LeBron heavy because I'm from Dallas, and I used to be beefing with LeBron heavy. The night he called us all broke, I was like, wow. But I was beefing with LeBron. Yeah, my life is good. Yeah. Go back to your life. <laughs> wow. And, like, even, like – I think I was, like, in high school then, and I was, like, sitting there. I was like, wait – he basically just said tomorrow he's going to wake up rich and we're all not going to wake up rich. So he's basically calling us bros. And, and that I, we hating on him because he got money. Yeah, I was like, I don't really like I was like, he, and I think, honestly, I think, like, his PR team has, like, I think he's gotten to PR, like, makeover or something. Because, like, I feel like the image of, like, 2011 LeBron versus this LeBron, I feel like those are two different, like, public LeBron. Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like with every situation, like with even going back to Cleveland in Miami, this Lakers team, he's writing a story. Yeah. And even the email that he sent to the league or like his, or the Laker, I don't know how that email came about, but like, it's weird because how is a player able to like, 
tell the league I'm not getting enough fouls. Like, I didn't know that was, like, a thing that you could do. <laughs> I mean, it was – and it's it's not like this is a new conversation in the NBA. You know, it goes back to guys like Shaq. Well, any big man, first of all, can complain to you about the fouls that he's taken over the course of a, a game. And But LeBron engages in so much physicality, too. And you saw it last night in the game where there were literally plays where he ran people over and got the call himself. So it's like, I find his complaints disingenuous. You know what I mean? Like that's the part, if anybody is going to, to complain about being not treated fairly by officials, it cannot be LeBron James. Cause this is the dude who's gotten away with flopping. This is the dude who gets away with these, these, emotional outbursts whenever he is called a foul we've seen him berate officials and hold on to the basketball until they try to reverse a call he did it the other night and it's just yeah I'm not a LeBron people say oh you're trying to hate no but what I'm saying is everybody should be analyzed when we're talking about them on the court or on the football field or whatever because their actions are all part of the sum totality of how we evaluate them and yeah. I think that these are draw. There is you made your point of there being an insecure. I think it's an insecurity when you fake when you frame everything that you do, essentially in reference to somebody who is not concerned with you. Like, Jordan is not worried about LeBron. Kobe wasn't even worried about Jordan in that regard. He wanted to be to best him in that regard. But he was actually like he want and even like from everything that I've read and everything that I've seen. And LeBron's just a different type of player, but as yes. far as like somebody being close to what Michael Jordan was as a player, that Kobe, I mean, that player was Kobe. Like, yes. that's who, like, we could say was, like, as far as, like, greatness as a, like, compared to um, Michael Jordan was Kobe. So it's, like, LeBron is just his own, like, person, but, like, I think he still wants to be his he wants his name written in the history books as I'm the greatest LeBron James was the greatest player ever which you know I like that level of confidence but I also think some of the young guys who have played with LeBron have suffered um you know developmental wise name one young player that turned into a star playing alongside LeBron James there's literally like I don't like I mean I know like his like his like I don't know anybody name one his like second man or whatever like or like his second guy or her two guys like Kyrie and like but Kyrie was the number one draft pick you know what I mean like (laughs) and it's it's we Kyrie has his own problems on the court but LeBron didn't make Kyrie you know what I'm saying LeBron didn't make Kevin Love he certainly didn't make the Miami Heat you know without LeBron so that's the thing is is I don't Magic Johnson and and I hate doing this because it feels like we're we're nitpicking but it's also true it's so dependent like I LeBron has to have the ball he has to have it you know what I mean for the for it to work what point guard you know there's a reason he leads his team in assists every year there's a reason he's because he demands the ball that way right it's the same reason James Harden can average 11 assists a game it's not because to me James Harden is a great point guard it's because James Harden always has the ball right so I get to determine who gets to shoot where that is and that's my problem with that offense is because I can shut that down yeah 
effectively at some point, if one guy has the ball and I have someone who can defend him, and this is the reason I think LeBron has not won more championships, is because you do not cultivate a sense of, I can do this when you're not on the floor. Right. And you like, and you people learn the, like people just learn how to like to defend it. Like, and people learn how to like basically poke into their holes of like offense. So, and that, I think that's probably why too. So. And, and the last part of it too, is I, I, you know, people talk about the Lakers have not been tested and they really haven't. You played Portland in the first round, which was the worst defensive team in the playoffs. So, and then you get, and they had CJ McCollum with a fractured back and Damian Lillard goes down. So after he wore himself out trying to get his team into the, the playoffs, second round, you get the Rockets who might have, might be one of the stupidest teams in the history of the NBA. And then now you get a Nuggets team that is talented, but its core is very young. Yeah. The, it's your best players are just young and they don't have enough um, particularly, you know, it's Paul Mills has been really bad. <laughs> um, they don't really have uh, anything from Gary Harris in this series. That he's been if awful. If Murray doesn't go off, they don't do well. Yeah. And if Michael Porter Jr., like, if he doesn't, what I've seen, if if he doesn't go off, like, I guess if he does, if he's like lukewarm or like just can't get his shot going, he's not engaged. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. And like they, for them to win, Jamal Murray almost has to score like fifty points. <laughs> He and Jokic have to do so much heavy lifting, and it's just it, – it, that makes it really hard. It's, a, it's difficult to stop their pick and roll. It's one of the best pick and rolls in the league, but it also it, – it kept Jokic so far outside, so they had to make that adjustment to bring him inside. When we switch to the East, it's going to be over tonight, in my opinion, Miami and Boston. I just yeah. think Boston is incredibly talented, but they're also incredibly short-benched, and yeah. Miami is just deeper and, and, quite frankly, better at this point. And just better coach, like I like, I think I saw something on Twitter about talking about like who's like the best coach. I guess it was like a few, maybe a few rounds ago, but who's like the best coach in Left like in the bubble. bubble right now? And like I was like Spo, like a hundred percent. Like he's like he's bit he's not new to this. He's true to this. Like he's not he's new to the everybody's new to the bubble. But as far as like being in a situation like like honestly, all these coaches are new. Like that are like in the finals right now. So it's just kind of like I, Miami just has the edge, and it's just like I mean, technically, I'm still supposed to be like a Miami like hater because of like 2011 or like whenever it's they. You're a Mavs fan. Yeah, so I'm I'm technically supposed to like I guess still hate the Heat, but like I don't know. If you I'm love gonna... basketball, you can't hate them. Yeah, if like you just love basketball. They're just so they're so good and they're just so hungry and like I'm happy to see Jimmy Butler winning because the way I feel like you know Philadelphia framed that situation was very in Minnesota. Hard. Yeah, like I just feel like he's just been framed as a villain for like a lot of his career and I feel like now like he has a great situation. He has a great teammates. Like the chemistry is awesome. I feel like they're hungry. Like. I'm excited. I don't, this, I, this Miami team is different. And Tyler Hero, like, he became a star overnight. I I was like, this is unbelievable to me. Like, this guy, like, I think we're going to be talking about him, like, oh, for a while now. I think he really, like, came out of his shell. And I think this has really been, like, the moment where, like, this guy, he's going to be somebody. And the incredible thing about that is Spolstra has him. And I've talked about this with other people is Spolstra has enabled his team to play fearless basketball. Yeah. 
when, when like a guy like a Tyler Hero, a rookie, and the coach tells you, we're going to put the ball in your hands in the fourth quarter, do what you do. Just do what you do, and we'll ride with you. And Jimmy Butler's like, okay, we'll ride with it. And, and Goran Dragic, we'll ride with it. Bam, I don't, nobody questioned it. And yeah. he went off. And you, don't, and you hear after the game, the thing that you hear out of the heat more than anything is a passionate we. A lot of teams say we. Jimmy Butler has not said I one time, as far as I can see, unless somebody asks him a direct question about him. He always says we. He says the Heat don't compete to lose. We come out every night to win the game. This is the Heat way. That culture, and I think that's what you see about the four teams that are in the finals, I mean in this conference finals, three of them have embedded cultures at this point. Boston has created a very stable culture where they're developing these young guys, and people forget how young Boston is. Nine players under in their third year or less. Nine. (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot yeah that's a lot that's like actually crazy to think about but yeah that's crazy and then then you go to Miami which has had a culture that has lasted 20 years now under Pat Riley right and they've been consistently good like they're like they're, they haven't been ever just been like terrible like they've right. been just consistently it's been a good basketball program even when they didn't have stars yeah they were very competitive and you could never be disappointed in what they were doing. They always have a plan. And, and they built a team that does not need a superstar. They got four guys who can score 20 every night. And, and it's so – what's interesting about it, too, is, I mean, even more than that, a Duncan Robinson who can get you 20 if he's okay. shooting the lights out. Um, even, uh, you know, Andre Iguodala, and uh, we've seen Jay Crowder give him 20. You've seen that in the playoffs, too. And they bring that – They all. I mean, when Udonis Haslam, to me, doesn't play a minute, but he is the emotional heartbeat of that team. He's the guy in the locker room who, as we talked about in communications, that conduit from the coach to the culture to the players, that institutional knowledge, that's what Udonis Haslam has. And that's why I think that you can hold together a still – for the Miami team that is also young in a lot of spots. I mean, with Bam Adebayo, this is his third year. Tyler Harris is a rookie. Duncan Robinson is in his, what, second year. These are not guys who have gotten a ton of big minutes. And even Jimmy Butler, he's never been yeah. – he hasn't been this far in the playoffs since what that one – he wasn't on that Derrick Rose team when they went to the conference finals. I don't think. I don't was think he there when they – was he on that? I don't think he was on that team. Because so. that's almost 10 years ago now. Yeah, I don't think so. So, yeah, so <laughs> – so, yeah, I mean, it's I think that piece is important. Like, I think just like the leadership and like I like I said earlier, just like that leadership and like the super veteran leadership. I feel like that's important because to make the young guys feel bought in to make them feel like to give them that confidence, which is why I said like going back to like Lonzo, like that's why I feel like Lonzo has just not been successful thus far. Like, or that that's successful thus far. He's kind of having to like get it out the mud by himself. Cause he just has not had that. You saw, leadership. you saw the three guys who come who came to new Orleans. All of them had the best years of their career. Once they got out of LA, because I think they were given the room to grow. Again, when you play with LeBron, you have to help LeBron. Yeah. 
it's the LeBron show. And it was weird, too, like, the messaging, like, with Magic Johnson, how he was like, we're giving the keys to the franchise to Lonzo. And, like, it was all of that other – it was all that all of that. And this was messy, too, like, all of that conversation about how, like, Clutch Sports was, like, trying to, like, push out – you know, Lonzo and or Trey Coop. Well, all that messy talk, like, up front. My thing is, like, why can't y'all just do this in the background? Because to me, that's a distraction to these guys. Because they might act like it's not bothering them, but at the end of the day, like, they're like, oh, my gosh, I might be getting traded. Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I can tell you, talking to coaches on a regular basis, they've told me that younger players now do not adjust well to change. I can see that. Because they have not had a lot of change in their lives. When you're the best player now, you know, and you know how this AAU structure goes and, and the high school um, structure, yeah. you identify these kids in seventh, sixth, seventh grade. And then once they're on that track, you put them on AAU, AAU teams that are stacked, or you send them to a private school that can recruit from all over your city. And they never understand what it's like to play on a really bad team or a team that where you have to lift that group up because everybody's really good or you playing. And I, you know, for Zion Williamson, my criticism of him was coming in was when people said he's going to do all these things, you could see the offensive talent, but I said, where would he have ever learned how to play defense? Yeah. Cause in high school he was playing against kids half his size. <laughs> I mean, some of them look like elementary school students. You saw the videos. And then when he gets to college at Duke, 95, 96, 97% of the players that he played against were guys that are, are going to be accountants or lawyers and things like that. They ain't going to play ball. And like with Zion, like, I don't know, like, you know, watching like Undisputed and like, you know, I guess I'm like more so on the train of like Shannon Sharp's, I guess, thought pattern here. Like, I know Skip was like all bought into Zion, like Zion's going to be like, great. I think that was a perspective. And then Shannon was like, I don't know, because he was just like, I just I haven't seen enough from Zion because like what of Zion is like. I mean, when he's when he plays, he's explosive. When he plays, he's great. He's explosive. All of this he can like produce. But the problem, my fear for Zion is, is like, I guess, can he stay healthy? Like, um, like, can he stay healthy? Like, I'm concerned just from like a nutritional standpoint, right? Like, it's crazy that I would think like this, but like, being a young guy, like being you know having all this money like having access to like whatever food you want like is zion like really keeping his body like in the shape that it needs to be because like i guess my thing is like why i guess why are these injuries like so like frequent for him and like are they related to weight a weight issue and so like that's my i guess concern with like zion like going forward um yeah it it, i've always like i had a real difficult time before that draft because I I was I'm a John Morant person I was in love with John Morant before I'd seen Zion play a minute because John was a year earlier so I was heavy on like once I knew that the Pelicans had the number one pick I knew they were taking Zion that was done but I was hoping before that that the Knicks would get the number two Uh so that the the Pelicans could trade AD to New York and the Pelicans could get Zion at two I mean to get um, John Moran it too, and I was like, then I'll, I'll, I have this team that I really want to watch. Um, but as I look at it, for five years, if Zion is healthy, I would take Zion in five years. But I feel like 
his career is not going to be a 15-year career at this stage. He can prove us all wrong. Some people get injured in the beginning of the career, like Steph Curry, where it took him a few years to get over ankle injuries, and people were wondering if he was even going to get an extension with Golden State. Well, now he's Steph Curry. Maybe that happens with Zion when he figures some of these things out. But I don't want to see the organization treat him with kid gloves again next season. Either you're playing or you're not. If he's out, don't, don't put him in for 15 minutes in a game. That's not, that helps no one. Either he's playing 30-plus or he's sitting. That, yeah, that has to be it. That was always very weird to me. I was like, why? Like, I get, like the load management thing, I was just like, just like you got a lot of because at, at the end of the day, coming into the bubble, like everybody was like rusty. Everybody was like whatever. So like just those like fifteen minute like stints and things like that. I just feel like you're not you're not even getting the dust like being able to get the dust knocked off at that point. This is just like I don't know like for fun at that point. So yeah. Now, we're going to transition from hoops to the, to the NFL, which you love. You are a huge Saints fan, and you talk a lot about the Saints on your Twitter feed. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I am concerned about this weekend, but I'm not overly concerned for the long haul yet. Um, I think that the Packers present a lot of problems for the Saints, especially coming off what we saw on Monday. Uh, but at the same time, if they finish these first four games, it, it reminds me a lot of last season in the sense that while Mike Thomas is out, just hang on. Don't fall below 500. The same kind of mindset we went in when Teddy took over was like, if they can get to the break at five and three or six and two, we felt like, well, the second half, the Saints will come along and Drew Brees will be fine and they'll pick it up. Well, you got five and no out of that. Okay, so now we drop this, this first one without Mike Thomas. And it's got six more weeks maybe of him to heal. Can you get four and two or three and three out of this? I think that they can, but I, it's going to have to be a lot of improvement on both sides of the ball for that to happen. Yeah. Like I was in thinking about that Raiders game, it was like watching like an accident happen in slow motion. Like, it was like the game was going good. Like, AK, of course, is going off. Like, we're excited. Like, yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, like, it just got bad real fast. Like, it just out of nowhere bad. And, like, I know, like, the, like, the Drew – like, I like I love Drew Brees. But, like, I, I know the Drew Brees slander. Like, this, it was deserved. But, like, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't just Drew Brees. Like – that was a consorted. Well, every effort. loss is a team loss. Yeah, but, but it, there like, are some disturbing breeze signals in that game. Disturbing breeze things, and like I don't know what it is. Like I mean, is it is it the arm? Like is it his arm? Like because I he was had thinking, a, I was like, could it like is it the arm? Like is he just like 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 what's happening? Because like apparently like, the things that I was seeing is like just complete inaccuracies and like things like that and like poor like ball management skills and decision making so like what's what's going on like I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to think more into like what's really going on here like is it that Michael Thomas was covering up a lot of things that like you know like are getting exposed right now that are going to continue to get exposed because my thing is if the if that if Breeze continues to play like like this like what like to me realistically I was like what are the options I think I was like we're just gonna have to watch it right because 
we can put in Taysom. You can put in Jamies. I'm not a, like I'm not. Did I you say Jamies? Like, Did you just say Jamies? Jamies. I don't know how to say his name. Jamies, Jamies, whatever. Like Winston. That's your I, one. I got you. I, you. That's your error for the day. I'm gonna let you slide on that. Though. Like I just because I've never I've never really been like a fan because my thing is like. I know people are talking about like, oh, like he, like he, like he's in a better situation now. He might thrive. We're excited to see it. But my thing is like realistically putting either of those guys in like Taysom or Jameis. I just feel like neither one of those are going to be better than Breeze. So it's just like. is the I don't, I know Taysom would not because Taysom has never started a game in his life. I just, my thing is like, we would just have to watch, we would just have to watch the bad movie and like. Would you, though? That's the thing is we saw a huge adjustment in the offense and style, and I'm, I'm not advocating that Breeze get benched. That don't, I, I don't want anybody never, to take I, that. I, I, not today. Not yeah. today. Now, every quarterback, every great quarterback, it ends badly. There's not been a single great quarterback with it. Look, Peyton Manning's last season was hot garbage. Yeah. He won the Super Bowl, but he was hot garbage he got carried by that defense to the Super Bowl. Their defense was good. Brett Favre, his last season, he got benched at the end because he was that bad. He was really bad. After leading to the, to the NFC Championship against the Saints, the very next year, it all fell apart. And remember, people talk about that year before was the best. They were like, that's the best year of Favre's career. He didn't throw a bunch of picks. He threw a whole bunch of yards, led the Vikings to the NFC Championship. Then next year, he falls off the wagon. We've seen Tom Brady now with three straight years of decline. And even this year, he hasn't looked great. I think and it's I, it just I, when it falls off, he's 41. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's father time, right? And it's just like, it's just one of those things where it's like you hate to see it. <laughs> like you, But it, it always comes. You hate to see it. And it's just like, it's just like one of those things where it's like, what real, I, I guess I'm like more of like, I hate this. I'm like a pessimist. And it's just like, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm honestly scared. I'm personally just like, if they don't like get it together, like if they don't get in sync and make it fast, it's going to go bad, like real fast. Because like we, like there's just some games that like, like against the cheat, like just like certain but games. That second half, that second half of the year, hopefully they can get better by that last stretch. That road stretch is really bad in that second half of the schedule. It's really tough. But my thing is, is uh, I'd say this. The Saints, they're fortunate to be in the division that they're in. Yeah. Because I don't think Carolina, um, and now that McCaffrey is hurt too, that – that really is going to impact them. They were going to be lucky to win five anyway just because that defense is so bad. Yeah. Um, Atlanta certainly is, is falconing it up all across the country as they normally do. And Tampa, have you been impressed by Tampa in two weeks? So the Saints are fortunate. They could still win this division. Even if they stumble for a good chunk of the season, you can win this division this year 10-6. and six. Yeah, and I and also I think it's also just gonna be like how quick. Two things. I think a matter of like how quick can they can people just get back healthy, and like also like avoiding injuries, and then also like just getting in sync because like I never I guess like I never thought, and I guess I never realized until now how important the preseason is, and I just feel like a lot of things like even with like Emmanuel Sanders, like I just feel like 
it's timing, it's, uh, it's getting accustomed. They did yeah, not have any game situations. Yeah, I just feel like there's like a disconnect with the offense and like Drew to his receivers and it's just not working and like, and I know there's like a lot of Pete slander too and like he deserves the slander but like I just there's just a lot going on like deep like honestly defense I, that's what I'm scared about right like you know people always say like Aaron Rodgers is the like the best thrower of the football ever whatever whatever and it's my thing is like if deep if if defense does not step up on Sunday like Aaron Rodgers might go off and like there's like there might not be no stopping. They can't play zone. That's one thing is the Saints cannot play zone against the Packers. Um, but the D, it's it's really on the D line. It's it's all about the D line. The linebackers they only play and and Ross Jackson at Crescent City Chronicles and I have a great conversation about this. They only play two linebackers most of the time. It's Demario Davis who has way too many responsibilities. You know I think Demario is one of the four or five best linebackers playing right now. But he's got so much to do because Alex Anzalone is okay. Caden Ellis hasn't really gotten even on the field yet. And it's on that defensive line to start creating some pressure. And if they don't pressure Aaron Rodgers, you could be looking at a 350-yard game. That, that could happen in the Superdome. Because it's still, 750 of your friends and family is not going to bother Aaron Rodgers in that big dome. And I, I don't know. I think, like I said, like, and I guess there's other things that need to happen. Like I said, like, defense has to step up. The O-line has to get consistent. They have to contain Aaron Rodgers. Like, and the penalties have to stop, too. Like, oh. it just has to stop, period. Like, that has to stop. Like, Drew needs to, like, the picks need to, like, that, that doesn't need to happen either. <laughs> like, that needs to stop. And, like, I think they need to just try some more trick plays with Taysom, like, Think about that too. He's only had six six touches, five six touches, five carries and one reception in two games, which is another thing that's been a surprise. You gave a guy seven million dollars and you say we're gonna run packages just for Taysom. That's what they said. Remember, he was gonna get a lot of snaps because they had to justify the seven mil. Yeah. So and, I like they need to do something about that. But, but honestly, like I guess like I, I, I was really want, and I guess I guess I'm just like so deflated because it's like I really in my head I had these like Super Bowl ambitions and I was like yes we're gonna do this for Drew's last year and now I'm just like dog y'all don't look <laughs> right now well, y'all don't look like it but no. I mean, things could change and like yeah. I think it's and even like I was thinking I was like going into the season I was like the Kansas City Chiefs are unbeatable. But then I saw that they got beat by the Chargers. So I was like, actually, these guys have some vulnerabilities. And, like, if you get them early, they are beatable. So It's hard to gauge all the teams. I think when we get to week four, week five, we'll have a much better idea. But, yeah, the Saints, they've got to run it more. Um, and give that line an opportunity to to move forward. Andrews Pete is a solid, um, solid pass blocker, but he's not a great run blocker. Uh, I think it, it's really important for it's really important for Caesar Ruiz to start to to develop. I hope he's he's, he's able to play more because they were counting on him to step in and be a vital part of this line. Nick Easton has shown that he's too inconsistent. 
So all these things, that's right. I, you're, I don't want anybody to think that this is a singular Drew Brees problem. The Saints have problems at every level right now. The good thing, though, is by and large, they're correctable. The only one that is a question mark is, is this a slump for a breeze or is this a decline, the actual final decline? So I think that, to me, is the, the biggest variable. I believe the Saints can get over most of other, these other things as they get reps, as they play together more often, as long as the injuries don't pile up. But that question – and the scrutiny is going to be there. Every week we are going to be dissecting every throw that Drew Brees makes, looking for a reason to either justify that he's still okay or – in other cases, to rip and make sure that people are going to say, get him off the field. Yeah, and I think – and my hope is – I hope it was, it's just like a – it's a slump, and, like, I hope he – my hope is that, like, honestly, even if, like, we don't go to the Super Bowl, it's just, like, can we just, like, finish out the season with him not, like, not getting benched? And then just, like, bowing out gracefully at the end of the season saying, hey, guys, I'm done. You know, I love this city. I love this team. And like, I don't know that that's my hope is that he can at least just like make it out with some kind of like dignity. So they don't, and honestly, I don't think, I don't think me personally and like looking at the situation, even I don't think Peyton or like Gail Benson or Mickey Loomis, I don't even think they would allow him to get benched anyway. So like, I just, I don't, I don't, I personally, I think that like, they would just like take it and be like, "Well, <laughs> you think so?" Be, I think it would have to be one of those things. Archie Manning got benched. Archie got benched, I mean, and I remember when Archie was getting. I was there when Archie was getting booed, and this is that's the thing. Saints fans who now raise Archie up and love him, like, "Oh, Archie, Archie!" They ran that man out of town. <laughs> when when people were asking for Richard Todd and Kenny Stabler and they were happy to see Archie go when he got traded to Minnesota, it was it was bad. My thing is like truly, and this is like I guess just like an open-ended question, like where do you like like you know, hypothetically, like things just don't change. We get to like week six and we're like, oh my gosh, like or week five and we're like, oh my gosh, like Drew Brees, like his, it's just not gonna work. But like, what what options do like we don't have any options? Like we have options, but like we have options, but they're not like for real. Like Gardner Minshew is starting in NFL, and you you just you would even Jameis look. Look, I mean, Jameis had a million. If Nick Foles could do it, I mean Taysom could do it. Taysom. Y'all got way too much faith in a dude that threw for less than 60% in college and has never led a single drive in an NFL game at 30 years old. That would be unprecedented in the history of NFL football. Let me make it clear. I'm not on the start. I I was not. I'm not on the start uh, Taysom like train. I'm not on the start. Somebody got to explain to me. I'm going to ask you this. Explain to me what makes you even think he's a quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I've seen, like, the plays that I've seen, like, he looks like he has, like, a good, like, like throw, like, good accuracy. But, like, I've only seen a few. He's less than 50%. I've, I've only seen a few. I've only seen the plays that he's, like, actually done, like, well. So, and, but the thing is, like, I'm saying, like, to make it clear, I'm not here saying, like, that's, that, that's literally what I'm saying, right? This, like, is proving my point. 
if Drew, if the case comes up where we like have to like, if the team has to like get to the question where they're looking at themselves in the mirror and say, do we bench Drew Brees? What like what are your options? At that? You got a five thousand yard passer sitting on the bench. But I, I don't know. I I just I guess and I wasn't I didn't really pay attention to Tampa. I've, I haven't really paid attention to Jameis's career, and I haven't paid attention. I didn't pay attention to the Buccaneers last year. Jameis is is not perfect. James is not perfect. Or FSU, but it's just like I just I don't I don't know, right? But, you know, Teddy wasn't perfect when he got there. Remember, Teddy was coming off his leg almost falling off. He was, they, you know, his career was almost over. He had missed an entire year before he got with the Saints, and now he's starting in Carolina. I think that you can refine him, and Jameis threw the ball much better than Breeze did in training camp. The, all those interceptions, remember we were hearing about all the interceptions the Saints secondary was getting in training camp? Most of those were off of Drew Brees. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying this is, this could be just a timing thing, a lack of reps. It very much could be. But at the same time, I wouldn't give up on a 25-year-old quarterback who's already thrown for 5,000 yards in the NFL, which is really hard to do even on its own, no matter how many attempts you get, who just, who needs to clean up his mistakes and get better at making reads where is a better place to do that than with Sean Payton who can modify that offense and maybe take away things like throwing only passes that travel about four yards in the air. Like, you know, one of the big stats that, that I was given yesterday from, from uh, Ross was that Alvin Kamara at his best year was catching the ball a, lot, a yard ahead of the line of scrimmage. Last year, he caught it a yard behind the line of scrimmage. This year he's catching it, Point zero point one zero yards behind the line of scrimmage. So that impacts him tremendously because what do you want? You want Kamara with a full head of steam going one-on-one at linebackers and, and defensive backs. If he's catching it behind the line of scrimmage, defensive linemen have a chance to bring him down. Right. And I think that's, that's a big thing is that is it the timing or is it a fear that right now he doesn't think he can get those throws further down the field? And I think Mike Thomas does cover up a lot of sins for anybody, for any quarterback if you had Mike Thomas, because the dude creates his own separation. And physically, physically, just as far as strength and getting the ball out of his hands, that's, that's what makes him, between Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, and Mike Thomas, that's what makes Mike unique. Yeah, that's what makes him him. So. It's, that's what's can't so guard, difficult. That's what makes can't guard Mike, can't guard Mike. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's to me. So, I think that that's why they need to keep working Latavius Murray early, give him some carries early on, let him set a tone, get some play action opportunities, just a few. You don't need to th- throw 10, 12 play action passes, but give yourself two or three. Give your receivers an opportunity to get an extra half second of separation yeah. down the field. But as you look at this game, the Saints are a three-point favorite because they're at home, but I think the Packers win this game by seven to ten points. I mean, like, I just uh, – I've been, like – I guess I've just – I've been thinking about this game, like, every day, right? Like, my friend texted me, and she's like, yeah, my team plays your team on Sunday. I'm just like, I'm turning off my phone. I'm turning off the – like, I'm turning off all connection to the internet. I don't want to know the result till Monday. It's just like – my thing is, it's just like Aaron, like 
my fear it, it's just like based on what I saw last week going into this week I would say the Packers are gonna win because just because like I don't know if those things could get fixed over the course of a week of five days yeah because you have a yeah, short like, week yeah, so I don't even think those things can get fixed over the course of, um, like, the five days. I, we, we don't have, you know, Michael Thomas. Um, and then just the Aaron Rodgers part. Like, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is, like, this amazing, like – But he's in rhythm right now. Like, it, it, yeah, I'm not saying he's, like, the best quarterback in the NFL, but I am saying that, like, you know, a stat that I pulled or, like, they – I think they've, they've scored 40-plus over, like, the last two games. So it's just, like – that's actually when I looked at that, I was like, I was. That's a scary number for me because I'm like, that's crazy to me. And I know they played like the Vikings and the Lions, who like the those aren't like they're not good teams, but like it, it's still like I feel like at this point the Packers have like the film to look at the Saints to say like these are some serious vulnerabilities we can attack with them, and like let's attack them, and then also like let's just like let Aaron Rodgers loose. And once that happens, yeah. The question becomes, can the Saints attack the Packers' vulnerabilities? Because the Packers are not, great at, receiver. are not great at defending in the tight end spot. And Jared Cook looks fantastic this year. I love watching him. I would love to see Saints go into more two tight end sets um, and, and create some more protection for Breeze. Because you don't have a ton of receivers who you trust. So give me some two tight ends. Um, and let me see Jared Cook in more one-on-one situations because I don't think a lot of linebackers can deal with him, especially at the boundaries. Um, so I think he becomes – he should be the basically the number one target at this yeah. point while they're waiting for Mike Thomas. He and Kamara should be getting all the catches for the most part. They should be getting the line share. You always want to see your quarterback spread it around. But those are the guys who are your playmakers today. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see some bubble screens. You know, for your guys like a Traquan Smith or um, a Deontay Harris and get him in some situations where it's just let him get in space and see if he can make a guy miss and give you 10, 15 yards on a play and try to create explosive plays in that regard. Because if you have to bring in Taysom Hill to throw the ball down the field, the whole team knows, the whole, your opponent knows you brought in Taysom Hill to throw the ball down the field. Right. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Cause they, yeah. Because we, yeah, essentially because we've done it before and, like, that they know. And that's the vulnerability that I'm talking about is, like, just, like, Drew's, like, whether, like, ability or, like, fear, like you said, to throw it. Like, it, like they understand that if we're throwing it, it's going to be Taysom. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll see. I'm not – I don't know. Like, I hate being – like, I want to be so positive. And I want to say, like, oh, my God. You're conditioned God. as a Saints fan to be negative. Yeah, you like, and it's just kind of just like uh like i like honestly this year i was like super bowl or bust but then after monday's game i was like i the saints can't hurt me anymore like you have to let them stop yeah you you can't take that you can't take the abuse treat it for what it is it's it's entertainment it's not life or death it's a game. It hurts. It hurts because I want to see Breeze win so bad. You got okay. I'm I'm gonna let you explain this to me before we go. What is the infatuation? What is this? Well, tell know, me about I just, it. I don't. I have no idea. Like I. Cause so I. Okay. So obviously, like I'm from Dallas, and like I. I literally like I remember trying to be a Cowboys fan, and like I remember just being like let down when I was younger, just like all the time. 
And then, like, I, my, like, love for the New Orleans Saints came out of, like, I went to, like, what my first Mardi Gras, like, at this point, like, four or five years ago. And, like, from then, like, now I go to, like, before COVID, I was in New Orleans, like, two to three times a year. Like, I love the city. I love the culture. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, like, I love the Saints because, like, I love the gear. Like, it was, I don't know. It just became a thing where, like, I want to be associated with this city in some like way and like I want to show my love in this way by being a fan like of the Saints. With you so far. It, huh? I'm with you so far. <laughs> and then like as far as like quarterbacks, I just I just really felt like I was like, I don't know, like I really just like love the way just like Breeze like carried himself. I love just like his leadership. You know, like looking at the games were like obviously like not this season, but like the past seasons. I was like, oh, like this whole team is great, and I feel like Drew's a huge part of that. Like as with his playing, and I know that has been declining like over time. And I just feel like he's been like the underdog. He's also from like he's from Texas, like he's from like Westlake, Texas. So like I don't know, like that's why I like Breeze. And like honestly, it was a hard time for me, right? Like whenever he like. I know, like those Yahoo Finance comments, those flat comments. But not like, just that. This it's a it's a ten year history of some things. Yeah, he as a as a person, I I always separate the two. As a quarterback, yes, Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. As a person, I have very little um, consideration for him. I think he's a phony as a person, and I'll say it on his podcast, and I'll say it to his face if he ever asks me. I think he's a phony. I think his support for Black Lives Matter. Um, as he says it, is a, is a farce. And I think the Saints organization support for racial justice is a farce because they just put out a, uh, a, a, uh, a graph that showed where owners commit their money in politics. Gail Benson only donates to Republican candidates. Drew Brees is a registered Republican in Louisiana. And the things that he has said and done have been very, very frustrating to me. Um, so as a person, I don't, I don't care for Drew Brees. So I, I, I uh, want the Saints to do well, and I hope he performs well as a professional in order the team to win. But as a person, I, I, I have no, 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 no love for Drew. No, yeah, no regard. Yeah, actually, like, this is funny that you say that because I have a friend who his family is from New Orleans. He's like, Kelsey, like, you're actually the only person that likes Drew Brees because everybody else, like, they're not, like, they're not feeling him. And I... And I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not about that. I guess I just just have a really high fan affinity, right? And that's one thing that I want to do. Like, that's why I love sports and I love entertainment, right? Like, and doing communications and, like, fan engagement. Because, like, I feel like having, like, like, you know, connecting with fans and bringing fans into the fold that have this high fan affinity, like, that honestly, that helps you sell things. Like, honestly, like, the New Orleans Saints are looking for people like me because I'm likely to go out and buy, like, the Drew Brees jersey, buy, like, things, like, that that kind of, like, those things, because I have a high fan affinity, and, like, I feel like I have that for everybody, right? Like, or all of my favorites, like, Drake, like, I have a, like, extremely high fan affinity for Drake. This has been like a decade long fan affinity. I have not missed a Drake right. concert. I used to buy the Drake hard copy CDs. Like that's that. Every yeah. CD. I understand. I wouldn't listen to any. You're a ride or die fan. Yeah. Like essentially. And like, sometimes I end up dying in like with the part, like dying in that hill, like with the person, like I'll say that they're wrong, but like, 
eventually I'll end up in the ditch with them. So I know that's like terrible, but like it's just my fan affinity. No, I just wanted to know. I don't judge people. I don't judge other people for how they, you know, for how you choose to you know, be a fan. I'm not going to do that. You know, now if it came, like if we were talking about something more important, then that would be a whole different story. We might have a different conversation. But I, I just wanted to know because it has become a conversation in the last few days too is when, when we, there's been any criticism of Breeze, anytime, whether as a player or as a person, the city has, there is a large segment of the city and the fan base who have just absolved him of any time. And yeah. I think that, that that, to me, that's never good for any athlete. You, yeah. Everybody has to be judged critically, whether it's Sean Payton, whether it's Mickey Loomis, whether it's Drew Brees, Al- there's nobody above that, that scrutiny. And it's just accountability. Like, I mean, I, like, I literally, like, said what I said. Like, with, like, for instance, just, like, since it's the most recent, like, incident, like, not incident, but, like, I guess, like, the, his, like, comments, like, on, like, his statements to Yahoo Finance on the flag. I was just, my my questions about that, and I he, he had said that, but he had said that before mm-hmm. whenever Colin Kaepernick initially started kneeling. Like, he said these things before but it's just the fact that he like he tripled down on mm-hmm. and my thing was like why are you talking like why are you talking to yahoo finance anyway <laughs> like i as a pr person i was i was shaking in my boots because i was just like why are you talking to y- yahoo finance also why were you not prepped well he didn't. He 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 said yeah. what he meant. He said he said what he said, and he meant that. It's just like I just feel as a PR person, and like I don't know who he has like on his team, but like going into that, I would have said, "Hey, you know, the clears the climate, so they're maybe not worried about it. you know maybe, they're not worried about that. They speak into their audience. Maybe you don't say this like this. And and honestly, my thing about it too was like, I also thought about, I was like, is he trying to run for office? Because like the way he's saying some of this stuff is kind of just like, you kind of sound like you want to run for office, chief. Cause you're not. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, like, I, when thinking, cause I'm really good at like understanding like, right, like, you know, conservative, conservative and left, you know, like, liberal and conservative talking points so when i hear there's just certain triggers that whenever like i hear like conservative talking points there's just like the wording just kind of sounds like hmm are you trying to position yourself for something greater later on so that that's what it sounded like to me it's like kind of like you want to run for office and so that's what i took it as and i was just like yeah, I was like, He's, and people have that. gassed that up though. We've heard it before. Drew Brees should run for office after he gets out, and why? Tell me why. That's the thing is to me. Every time I ask people, I say, what what indicator has he given that he cares about your issues? What, in, as especially for black folks, I say, what indication has he given that he's ever cared about your issues? Like it's one thing to be a. I'm not saying he's an evil person. Yeah, he does good things, and you know, and that's when people throw in your face. Well, look at all what he's done for New Orleans. Okay, that's fine and dandy. I think philanthropy. We get, we get like we get caught up in philanthropy and like you and know, equate it with goodness, like, legisla- like actual legislative things that'll like hurt or help people. You know, and this is just like like all like you know speculative, like you know speculative. Like I don't know what he'll actually he would actually do, but like to my thing, to like I just don't think him running as a like running for office in Louisiana, Louisiana? would help anybody anybody of color <laughs> i think that would i think 
that would actually I don't want to say damage his legacy, but I don't I don't I don't know. If he wants I don't know. Depending on how he wants to be looked at, I guess at the whenever history like the story's told, I don't know if like he would be looked at like favorably after <laughs> running for any type of office and winning that office and actually being in that office. I don't think people I don't think people really want to see what that looks like because it it considering how politics are evolving now and how things are going so extreme, I don't think we want to see him like I don't I don't think people really want to see what that looks like for real. No, because I think I think that there are things behind because, like you said, there are talking points that you hear. Yeah. And they are signals to you. And like I said, we both worked in political campaigns and in political organizations and all those types of things. I've seen and heard it all. I've written it, you know what I mean, yeah. for other candidates um, and, and for other elected officials. And I have also been told at times, I'm not going to say this, even when you say this is the best thing for you to say right now is this. And I've been told, you know, you get disregarded by that person and they have to live with the consequences of that. Um, but he's going to have a very interesting legacy. And that is the part of it. It's, it's, it is, it's going to be more complicated than, than maybe we thought five years ago. Yeah. And I, even when I think about like Tom Brady, like I, we know, we know, we all know where Tom Brady is. Like that is a, like a, like Nicki Minaj says, a Fendi fact. And, but the thing about the difference between, I guess, Drew and Tom is Tom doesn't really say anything. He like, it'll be like one of those things where like, he'll have the hat in his locker. You'll know I'm friends with this person, but Tom's not going to actually say anything. The thing, and that's what made, with Drew, that's what made me think, like, are you thinking about, like, your career after football? Because you're saying these things, and you are, like, tripling down on them, and you are just saying certain talking points to appease certain groups that, like, you would need to help you. As opposed to Tom, Tom's like, no, like, I'm just... I know what my bread is buttered. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I think it's it's a different situation, but it's again, it's it's very complicated, and um, but it'll be it'll be crazy to watch. Like uh, I, that part, the the post football career for Drew Brees is gonna be a very interesting story to watch and develop. Yeah, it might actually be more interesting than what's happening right now. <laughs> I think we're gonna learn. You know, once you step into that arena it's you you learn a lot more because i you you start hearing commentators you listen to them in a different way and i've been listening to them in a different way this fall um as the nfl season gets started i'm like okay i'm checking people off left and right as i you know just (laughs) all right i know where you are i know where you are where you are and it's just it's unfortunate but for us as black people we have to do that now. Yeah. We have to figure out who's really on our side and not because we're always told I'm on your side. And then when push comes to shove, those people aren't there. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a daunting situation that we even have to deal with this in sports because there's so much power in sports in the American psyche. And um, it has been used as both a tool and a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think it'll be interesting. And, like, just even to that point, just, like, even, like, Charles Barkley's... um, Last night? Oh, my God, Charles. When I heard it, and that's another thing, like, too, like I said, those trigger words, those talking points, 
that is a key conservative talking point what he said and my thing it was like I don't get it, but, like, I, I get it, if that makes sense. Like, I get that, like, probably Charles Barkley, I don't know his politics, but he probably aligns with, you know, right-leaning, conservative yes. type of things. And for him to say what he said, that is literally, like, the talking point that I've seen all conservatives make on the internet. That, like, that's what I've seen. Um, it like, And I was just like, okay, like, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm just shocked that you would actually, like, say that with your chest on TV. And I'm so, surprised that none of his, the guys at the table really called him out on it. Yeah. Now, Ernie has also said some stuff the last few days that I have not been down with. Um, you know, it's not about reforming the Pledge of Allegiance, Ernie. It ain't about that. It ain't about changing the words in the Pledge of Allegiance. That ain't gonna change this country. And, and also just like, and also with like, the he, what Charles Barkley said about defunding the police. So like what- He doesn't I, understand the concept. It's actually a lot of like, I feel like a lot of older black people, a lot of, I feel like an, a lot of older black people, feel like I feel like they're not, even like I have a mentor, like she's just like, uh, I'm not down with that approach. And she's only like 35. 35, 36. But have they read about it? Do they understand what it <laughs> she means? She literally, she literally like worked in politics. Like she, I met her in DC. Like she's worked for like legislators. She's worked on like the Hill side, the Senate side. Like so she understands. Like she worked for like, she, yeah. So she like, she understands, but like she just feels like she comes from a different background too. Like she comes from, like, I guess, like, a wealthy background, like, her dad's a doctor, like, an affluent background, and, like, she went to Spelman, like, I just feel like there's, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like in the Black community, and even, like, I had, so when I was about to go do my internship in D.C. when I was in college, I had, so I'm an AKA, and I had, you know, an older soror, like, I was looking for an internship, and she was like, oh, you know, I have connections in DC but like we only like me and my husband like we only have them like what we our connections were with the conservative we're, we're with George W. Bush's administration so like maybe like I can talk to somebody in Boehner's office to see about something like she was like trying to help me but it was like on the conservative side so like it, it's just like I feel like when we look at like a lot of affluent like black people and like older like that type of money like yeah some of them are like liberal but i do feel like some of them hold a lot of conservative views it's about it and it's about their own separation yeah from that they want they want their own wall too yeah and they view the police as somebody who helps create that wall which is the exact antithesis of what a police force should be doing it's not about a wall that's not what they're supposed to be doing well they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Excuse me. Yeah. The way it's working as intended. Yeah. The system is not meant to protect us. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you to close. We're going to have some fun. All right. Cause we, we did some heavy stuff just now. Um, enjoyable heavy stuff. Cause I love those topics. I could go on about them all day. I used to do that professionally. So um, talk about those kinds of about those topics, but let's have some fun. All right. Scared. Okay. The, yes, everybody who gets to this part, they always say, don't put me on the spot. But it is, you're going to be on the spot and it's going to be fun. Okay, these are painless questions. All right, they're painless. Uh, okay. All right, okay. What player, besides Drew Brees now, so you have to take him out. What player do you have an irrational love for that surpasses their accomplishments. 
God. We all have one. We all have that player that you love and you're like, he's going to get it or she's going to get it. And they just haven't yet, but you still love it. But you hold it out for that opportunity, for that day where you can say, I told you. I mean, I feel like, oh, this is hard. Um, let me think. It would have to be, because, like, most of the people, like, I guess already, like, retired. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I would say, because, like, growing up, my favorites, like, as far as, like, NBA were, like, Dirk Nowinski and Steve. No, Mack. no, I'm, I'm not talking about a star. That's, okay. you see, what I'm saying is a person who you, who you believe in. They haven't made it yet. Like that person you have an irrational love for. They just, you keep saying, I'm waiting for that person to, to, to make it. So you can tell people, I told you so. You spotted them. You liked them. Like you saw them in training camp or you saw them make a play in a game. And you're like, oh, that's a star in the making. And you're just waiting for that moment that you can tell people, I told you that person was a star. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna let you come back to that one. Okay, yeah, let me come back to that one. Because I really like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> you know, people fall in love with people at training camp. Like this year for me, um, you know, when I was watching the Saints at training camp, the guy who didn't make it that I was so surprised about. Um, why oh, wait, no, I do have one okay. guy. Oh my gosh, thank you. That actually jogged my memory. Like, I want this one guy on the Saints to succeed succeeds so much Benny Fowler see there you go oh my god like his story like not even the story but like what happened about how like and it all obviously like links to Drew Brees but like how basically like he didn't have a team but like he went out there and worked out with Drew Brees and like Drew Brees was like hey man like are you on the team yet he's like no man like I'm looking for a team like I don't have one yet and then, like, how basically Drew made the call. And, like, he got on the team. And I was like, yes, like, I want this guy to succeed. I've seen him making some plays, like, you know, since, like, we've had so many injuries. I've seen him out there, like, doing his thing. I want that guy to succeed. See, there you go. See, it's not as hard as you thought. You just needed yeah, your memory job. I, I remember that story. And I was like, I, like, and he was just so, like, to me, like, his interview, like, he was just, like, kind of, like, happy just, like, that I got this chance. And, like, that's what I really like seeing, like, whenever I see guys like Antonio Brown who are just, like, these, like, divas, like, blah, blah. Like, I like seeing those guys who are, like, I'm happy, I'm humble, I'm ready to work for this. I got this out the mud. Like, I'm ready to go to work. Like, I got so happy for him. So, yeah. If you could go back to any game, no matter the sport, and watch it, something you didn't see on TV or something, but any game in history that you could be in the building for, what game would you go to? Um, and I feel like this is like the cliche, like the cliche um, answer. Are you gonna say the Jordan game or the Kobe no. eighty one? Well, I was, well, that's what I was. Gonna, I was gonna say like I would have loved to be in the building just to like. I, to watch Kobe Bryant more like and just like and even like watching him more like growing up like I remember you know like the like the games like that they would play against the Mavericks um and things like that but I just really feel like it's like one of those things where like you just don't appreciate somebody until they're gone and I just feel like I really wish I could have just saw him like play and like really like be in those moments and like really like see how he brought LA together and like the city together and like how happy he made the city and being there when they were like really like winning winning so like I think like those type of games or I would have liked to be at the malice at the palace 
because that fight looked lit. So I would have liked to be there because that looks very interesting. <laughs> yeah, Steven Jackson is one of my favorite, favorite people in the NBA. And I am trying, I want him, if I can get him and Matt Barnes to be on my podcast, that would be awesome. I, I really want the two of them because I think they do. Do you watch, do you watch All the Smoke? Yeah. Yeah, I think you no, I think honestly you'd be able to at least Matt Barnes, because like Matt Barnes has been doing like a lot of like podcasts, yes. like things yes. like But I just I just love those two guys because they're like my dad is from Port Arthur, Texas, where Steven Jackson is from. So there's my dad always anytime somebody came out of Port Arthur, he'd be like, Watch the Port Arthur boy. And uh, <laughs> so I, Steven Jackson was on my radar that way. And um I, and then I got to meet him last year when the big three came to New Orleans. Um, so he was just an incredibly cool guy. Um, but yeah, those are the kinds of players that I really love. Those guys who, who nobody thought they would get to a certain level. And Steven Jackson was a, a vital player for a number of teams. Same with Matt Barnes, yeah. Matt Bar- who, who only got like one multi-year contract in his life in the NBA, but dude was a baller, just a, a yeah. straight up baller. Um, yeah. he had the dog in him essentially. Yep. Um, okay. Give me your three. If you're from by, okay, so your NBA player of all time. Who's your favorite NBA player of all time? Your favorite NFL player of all time. Who are you putting up there? And which one would supersede the other if you only had to choose between them? Of all time, uh, I'm gonna feel embarrassed because my like. Uh, I feel like my list is not going to go back, like, far enough. No matter. Your all-time is different for everybody. If you became a fan three years ago, that don't matter. To me, it's like, it's not about when. It's about what you like. It's just, this is an opinion question. It's not a judgment question. Uh, okay. So, I would say my favorite player of all time would have to be, better NBA player would have to be, like, Steve Nash. Um, okay. That's hey, there's nothing wrong with claiming a two-time MVP for your favorite player. Because I just like my earliest mem like memories, like I mentioned, of watching sports were like watching like the Mavs. A lot of Mavs, yeah. And then watching like seeing Steve Nash, like seeing all that he could do like on the court. Like he looked so little, but like he was able to do like move the ball like so quick and so like efficiently. So like Steve Nash for the NBA. Um, for the NFL, this is hard for me because, like, my, um, my, I guess, my, like, it just changes. Like, it's not, it, things just, like, change in my mind or whatever. But anyway, so I guess, can it be, like, somebody who, like, I, I'm just, like, rude? I don't know. This is so hard. Oh, my gosh. Um, let me see. For the NFL. You gotta go ahead and say Breeze. That's your dude. I no, know. It. No, honestly, here's who I'm really gonna say. Honestly, like Breeze, yeah, but like I like I'm a I was a huge Cam Newton fan, right? Like or I still am. I love like him. I think that even because like Cam was going into the I remember Cam going into the league when I was graduating from high school and I was like so excited to see Cam because I was like he's just so great like I love the way like he carried himself um and I just feel like he he's just so good and I feel like he just hasn't gotten like a fair like a good a good shake like he, yep. he you know they played 
they they played, you know, or he played with the Panthers. They went to the he, he went to the Super Bowl. Like I think that like Cam is just like a, a great, and I feel like he had all those things happen that in Carolina. I don't know what happened. Like I read somewhere that they were like mismanaging his injuries, like some things of, like of that nature. Like they ran him into the like he got ran into the ground essentially. And I just feel like he just hasn't gotten to show that greatness. But I feel like when we talk about like all around like greats and able to do things with the football, um, I feel like that guy probably like has been like Cam Newton. And I even feel like even before like Patrick Mahomes, like because Cam was there before like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And I feel like Cam. Well, Randall Cunningham was before all of those dudes. Well, yeah, but I just feel like for, from what I have seen, right? right? Like, I just feel like I, like I just feel like Cam is just like this all-around talent that we just haven't been able to see like like that. So I would say he's like one of my favorites. Um, so if Steve Nash and his prime is on TV and Cam is on TV at the exact same time, you ain't got no switch button. You only pick one. Which game are you watching? I'm watching Cam. Okay. That's a, that was just... <laughs> That's cool. Like that's like an exciting game. Like I'm 100% watching Cam. Period. That's all it is. Just for fun. And see? also adding, I forgot this other guy. Adding to my guy that I want to succeed. And I know being being a University of Texas grad, this is gonna be awkward. But I really want Jalen Hurts to succeed, even though he's in Philadelphia. Because I feel like Jalen, like the way I guess, like commentators, like kind of like talked about him. It was kind of like oh, we don't know about this guy. We don't know about this guy. But after just watching some interviews and, like, watching how humble he is, I really want him to, like, eventually get a chance. Yeah, what what he – what it's – it's not, okay, he didn't endure the greatest tragedy of all time, but to go from what he did at Alabama, win them a championship, do everything that he did, then lose his job to Tua, take that with dignity, then move over to, to Oklahoma – set all kinds of records, you know, play, play great right. football for them, and then still have the indignity of people asking you if he should play quarterback, then I, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts, too. I, I want that kid to, to do something great. And Carson Wentz is clearly showing that he's not getting better. So yeah. hopefully Jalen gets a shot soon. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I'm really excited, or who I'm really excited to see. So um, This has been fun. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Because uh, you were nervous. No, I yeah, I, like and even like I told my friend, like he 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 was like I was like yeah, I was like I have to tell you something. I'm going on a podcast tomorrow because he was like me and him have been trying to low key start a podcast for like five years, and he was like Kelsey, like I've been trying to start this with you for five years, and when I text you about it, you don't text back for like five days. I'm like, I know, I'm just nervous. So yeah, this was fun. So now, now you've, you've broken the seal. So now you get to, to go out and try it yourself. And um, that's always cool too. I love, I love um, having new people on because uh, I've, you know, to me, the more voices out there, the more people speaking and, and giving out their opinions and, and their perspectives, man, you can take something from all of that if, if it's done well. And so, yeah. I, 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 first off, I wish you tremendous luck in, in doing that going forward. And um, just let folks know how they can follow you and check out your opinions in the meantime. Awesome. Well, yeah, y'all, if y'all want to follow me, I'm at, on Twitter, I'm at the Kel Simone. Um, so, that's where I am on Twitter. Same name on Instagram as well. So, at the Kel Simone. And so, I don't know if we can, like, put that in, like, the comments anywhere for people to, like. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, there'll be any, uh, I'll, like, I'll send you all my stuff so we can, like, put it out there. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you so much.
Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And uh, maybe we'll do this again soon. Yes, for sure. Always. All right. So for Kelsey's, this is David Grubb. And we will talk to you the next time on Hard to Paint. Thanks for so much.